You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 53. Before we jump into today's show, let's quickly chat taxes. Tis the season, after all. Today's episode is sponsored by the wonderful people at Tax Act, providing affordable digital and downloadable tax software, who makes navigating the world of tax and finance manageable. It's a tool that can make life easier when it comes to tax season and the whole year, actually. Whether you're a blogger, YouTuber, independent contractor, photographer, or any kind of influencer or freelancer, taxes are usually overwhelming, especially in your first year or two on your own. Been there. But it doesn't have to be something that you dread and push off until the very last day. Again, been there. You see, when I made the jump to running my own business, I had very little knowledge of where to begin. That left me with underestimating how much I'd owe, constantly stressing and feeling uneducated, and quite frankly, a hot mess in terms of how to organize my expenses. Are you nodding your head and currently in the same boat? (laughs) If so, the amazing tool that is Tax Act is here to help. Tax Act lets you run your hustle while seamlessly keeping things in order for you. From helping you calculate and pay your quarterly estimated payments to providing a variety of self-employment resources, they assist with all things tax. With Tax Act, taxes don't need to be this major frustration. In fact, it takes most of the guesswork and small tasks out of your hands. Hallelujah! So if you're ready to say goodbye to worrisome tax questions, want to maximize your deductions, have zero clue where to start, or simply seek to improve your already knowledgeable tax skills, then Tax Acts can make a blessing in your business, all from the comfort of your phone or desktop, might I add, and for a very responsible price. So be sure to visit my friends at Tax Act and see how they can help your business and influence from here on out. Last week, I hosted a solo episode, something I'm excited to do more of, and we covered one of the most life-changing elements of becoming an influencer, and that is reshaping your brand. I shared a bit about my own journey to the brand that I now have, along with exactly how any influencer can take that advice and use it in your own business. If you're struggling with what you're putting out there are in an exhausting affiliate hamster wheel, you're going to want to listen to that episode. This week, we're going further into the product side of things with Lauren Fields of Digital Brand Products. Lots of good info for you guys today. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. We are going further into the product side of things today with Lauren Fields of Digital Brand Products. DBP is the first and only licensing agency dedicated to digitally native brands, and they work with hundreds of influencers to establish their brand and develop the products of their dreams. They also offer consulting services for manufacturers and retailers who are interested in the digital space but don't really know where to start. Lauren, born and raised in SoCal, Southern California, heads up licensing at DBP and has helped influencers and brands like Something Navy, Gal Meets Glam, Dwell Magazine, and What's Gabby Cooking, product lines of all sorts. From clothing lines to food lines to everything in between, Lauren helps make influencers take a product dream and turn it into a reality. 
working to turn the ship in a old boys club that is traditional in terms of how they typically market and distribute. Lauren and her team are bringing a fresh spin on 2018's version of licensing and are bringing influencers front and center in that conversation. Today, we're getting Lauren's advice on how influencers are creating their dream products and how to get aligned with that process if it's your dream as well. So I'm so excited to welcome Lauren to the show today. Oh, thanks, Julie. That was such an awesome intro. <laughs> well, you are such an awesome woman with such a fantastic um, breadth of work and the amount of work that you get to do and who you get to work with is truly amazing. So I know that you work with, you know, as we mentioned, hundreds of influencers to really establish their brand and develop the products of their dreams. That's kind of what digital brand products is, is based on. Mm -hmm. You also offer the consulting services. So walk us through kind of what that means and really what that word licensing means, because I think that a lot of listeners may not know the correct definition or may not understand it at all. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny because licensing is such like a, an old school industry that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, but the pure definition of licensing is really, really taking an IP and expanding the IP into a totally new category and, and producing product under that IP. Um, so IP, sorry, means intellectual property. Um, mm -hmm. So that's like the not so sexy way of defining it, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a sort of the spin that DBP takes is, and what we like to, how we like to brand ourselves, I guess you could say, is that we are an agency um, solely dedicated to digital brands. Um, and I think, I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I come from more of a background of working with like a lot of corporate brands and working at traditional licensing agencies. And, um, you know, you're really, you're really working on a very, very like, uh, I guess you could say like, brands that are so established and so disconnected from an individual um, that there's not so much emotion really tied in with the true day-to-day -day of licensing the brand out to various categories. And I think it's cool because working with digital brands, like they are usually, especially for us, we work mostly with influencers. Um, and a lot of influencers are their brand essentially. Um, so I like to think that we sort of take the, the extra step and really value the partnerships that we put our clients into because they are their brand and you kind of only have that one shot. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a different world than I think uh, traditional licensing is. And, and it's something that we really pride ourselves in being good at. And you really are phenomenal at it. I mean, just from, you know, the roster of people that we mentioned in the intro that you um, have had the privilege and the joy of working with. Um, could you give us, um, you know, some, some examples of successful partnerships or licensing deals that you guys have been able to curate and cultivate and really execute with some of those influencers? Totally. So um, the first one we worked on was Cupcakes and Cashmere. Um, mm -hmm. we, it's funny because I actually worked on her program when I was at a different agency and that's kind of why I ended up coming to DBP. Um, but I worked on her apparel and her home business. 
um, which was really exciting and extremely challenging because we launched the business about three, four years ago. Um, and there really wasn't a market for influencer product at that point. Like nobody really knew what a blogger was, let alone like the power of, of an influencer to sell product. It was just so early on. Um, so that, that was like really the first one that we were able to sink our teeth into. And, and, you know, now, now that business has grown and matured and really, really exploded. Um, so I like to use that as a good case study. Um, and then we also, um, went and launched our collaboration with Nordstrom and something Navy, um, and that was this last fall. It was a massive success. We Huge success. Oh my gosh. It was, it was great. It was kind of, it was kind of mania. I mean, there were, there were people cause the issue is that when Nordstrom posted the product, they incorrectly, and I'm so sorry, Nordstrom, you guys did such an amazing job. Um, but they incorrectly coded a lot of the items on the back end. So a lot of people thought they purchased product and they actually didn't because product was sold out. And it was just so crazy. Um, Ariel handled that so well. And I, I, I feel so bad that she had to go through that for her first like product line. Um, but, but the, the collection was a huge hit. Um, it well exceeded sort of any of our forecasting or expectations. It was the best performing brand that Nordstrom has ever launched in its history. Um, which I think again, goes to speak for some of the power that a lot of influencers can bring with their audience and really the connection that they have with their audience. Um, another one that we worked on recently was, uh, the plus size brand Prem, which we worked on with mm-hmm. Nicolette Mason and Gabby Gregg. Um, love those girls. They have just really taken, I mean, they've taken their, their platforms and their influence and created a brand and more, more than a brand. I want to say that they've really created a movement with Prem. Um, because they've really gone above and beyond, um, especially in this, in this like political climate and with female empowerment being so, so like top of mind, um, they're really just generating this very emotional, beautiful, um, beautiful brand that's really connecting and resonating with people. Um, so that was, that was another one we launched in July. And then actually, um, I, I don't know if you're super familiar with Julia from Gal Meets Glam, but we are, we are working with her on launching her dress collection in April, which is exciting. The product is gorgeous. Like Julia is just incredible. Yeah. And her, I just, her brand is, is one of my, I mean, and I, I love, I love her particular in particular, because I feel like she's one of those kind of like OG bloggers. Like <laughs> she's been around for a while. She's really hit the ground running. She's evolved. She's, you know, empowered herself to take on, you know, to other different roles. She's been able to really, um, just, evolve, I mean, I think would be, would be a beautiful word. And I love what she represents. I think her brand is beautiful Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to see what those dresses look like. Yeah. They're really amazing. And I think, I think to, to your point about what Julia does, like her, her marketing capabilities and, and the work that she puts into it are just so far above and beyond. I think what, what a lot of people are doing mainstream, 
Um, so it's been really exciting to like really work with her on like the marketing strategy and figuring out what our launch strategy is going to be. I'm actually not, my CEO is working with her directly on that. So I'm not super involved, but he's been like sending me sneak peeks of some of the strategy pieces and it's just incredible. Um, yeah. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. And, you know, what, one of the things that I, I, found, I, I have found and find so unique about what DBP and what you guys do is really, I mean, I think that the word education comes up a lot for me because I think that you know, licensing, licensing is such a old school train of thought, you know, it's such a mature business, um, traditional marketing, traditional advertising, that sort of thing. And I think that you guys have always done a really exceptional job, um, cultivating the relationships that you have with these brands to really educate them on this influencer space. Um, you really have paved the way for influencers to really be able to make a living doing what they're doing because it's people like you that are in those meetings and in those boardrooms rooms, you know, 
turning that ship, so to speak, you know, and just the years of the education and the trial and errors and the testing is really a true testament to, you know, how successful, you know, you really are at what you do and, and what you guys stand for. And I know that you've said to me that it, that it isn't easy. You know, there are a lot of the hurdles that it takes to launch a successful program. Um, a lot of people may not have the experience. They assume that they can do it just like kind of any other celebrity brand. And it's simply not the case. I mean, there probably is a lot of testing, a lot of the educating. I would love for you to kind of ex- explain more of this specifically for those influencers who are listening, who, you know, whether they have just started out or whether they've been minding and grinding for a, y- a few years, how they should maybe um, explore this path in a way, and maybe you can offer some insight onto your side of things of how you see it and, and the challenges that they may face. Totally. Um, I would say for anyone sort of new to the product space, I think co-brands and capsule collections are really the thing to test your brand out in. It like it just provides the best sort of case study. Um, and then you can take that and really look into, and, you know, honestly, even personally consider like, maybe you didn't have a very good time, um, trying to develop product. Maybe, maybe it took a lot of time, um, away from you just creating content and doing what you love doing. And and in that case, maybe products just not right for you. Um, but I would say, I would say definitely like, explore potential collaborations. I would also say if you are exploring collaborations, being super careful about who you partner with on those collaborations and not even just like, just from like brand alignment, like whether or not like you, you believe in a brand. I think it really even comes down to making sure you have a brand that has equity that can sort of add more legitimacy to your brand or sort of, um, bring you up a level a little bit. Otherwise I would just say it's not worth doing. If it's someone who's small, um, and just starting out, I feel like there's a lot of risk associated with that. Um, maybe, maybe they're newer to the space and they just haven't like proven themselves. Um, that, that can always be so risky. And I know, we kind of joke over here at DVP all the time about like, we don't want to be the guinea pigs. Um, and I think, I think for us as a company, you know, we've just to be totally honest with you, like in the past three years um, since we started, it's, it's been definitely, there's been some trial and error. Um, there are some companies who, you know, on the outside seem fantastic and really seem like they have everything together Um, but you're the first maybe influencer brand that they're working with. Um, and, and you know what, it can be a real uphill battle. Like it's just a challenge getting them to understand the brand and understand, um, your connection with your audience and like the importance of that connection with your audience, um, and how close ultimately you are, um, with them and how the success of, of your product line really depends on your connection with your audience. So, so I think, I think it's been, it's been difficult, but I will say it's kind of interesting because when you look at like capsule collections and collaborations, I think a lot of people are hesitant to do too many of them. Um, personally, I, I don't think that should be the case. I think, I think doing a bunch of capsule collections and and collaborations is a great opportunity for your brand because ultimately, 
when you do a collaboration, like the whole point of it is, is the equity from the other brand that you're working with, but it's also sort of engaging with new audiences. So maybe you're partnering with someone who traditionally has maybe a younger demo um, and, and you can see the value in that because maybe you'd be um, sort of introducing your brand to, to that new audience. Um, so I think it can also be a very strategic tool. And I, I don't think, I mean, I personally, and I know a lot of people here, um, you know, when you see your, your favorite influencer doing multiple collaborations, I'm not like, oh, she's doing something else. It's like, oh, exciting. Like what else is she, who, who else does she believe in? Um, I think there's also like a little bit of a, a fatigue um, from sponsored posts, especially with all the new rules and regulations around them. Um, and it's the engagement's just dropping in terms of people posting those sponsored posts. And I think I think collaborations and capsule collections are a great way for you to interact with that brand with it seeming more um, more natural and a little less um, pay to play forced, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And um, and you you just touched on a few things that I definitely I want to dive a little bit deeper into. Um, because I loved your idea of, you know, testing out the capsule or the potential collaborations. If if someone that is listening that may be an influencer, um, if they're not getting pitched that from a company, what would be their best step at kind of just starting that conversation? with a company that they may genuinely love, that they use a lot. Maybe they've done some kind of one-off deals with them in the past, but really want to see if they can curate something new in terms of a product with that company. I would say, I mean, it depends. If you're working with a PR company directly or with the brand directly, I would just start touting like stats from previous programs that you've done together. Like if you have impressive conversion or very impressive click-through or or whatever the stats might be, and that's maybe another thing when you're working with brands, make sure that you have them share the success and and actual hard data with you. I know sometimes brands are a little tight-lipped or you know, it is still like kind of a free for all and people just want the click through and that they're not really tracking everything. But I think that's so important um, because if you have that data, you can actually go to them and say, oh my gosh, like, look at what I'm doing, promoting your product. Like imagine if it was my product and, and if it's your, or even a, a co-branded product, like it's, it, could sell infinitely better. And I think just really making that pitch and really valuing um, your brand and like what you could bring to the table, I think is the most important piece of that conversation. Um, And I think we're, we're living in this time now where people are so fascinated with digital brands and like how, how they can bring in these various audiences and dollars. And I think it's just, this is a, a, time to have those conversations with any great um, promotional or sponsorship partners that you have. And what else have you noticed too? Cause you touched on earlier about, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's not even a white elephant in the room anymore. It's, it's definitely the elephant that we can all see is just the, the overall um, consistent across the board drop in engagement um, specifically on Instagram. How are you seeing that from, from what you've heard from the other side? So from the brand's perspective, cause I, I hear the influencer side all the time. Um, but I would love to know kind of what is their take on that? Is that starting? to change the way that they are offering um, 
potential collaborations and partnerships or are they kind of understanding that that's just kind of the wave that we're in right now and they're still hopeful? How, how is that looking on that end? So it's interesting because I feel like there's two different perspectives on it. Um, some people that we're working with just accept it. They're like, obviously people are, are not turned on by ads. Um, so that happens. But I think other, other brands that we're working with are sort of seeing this as a time to maybe tailor their approach a little more strategically and really looking at influencers who utilize, who stay within the guidelines, but are definitely making it more of a personal story and really tailoring it more to like something special and making it less like here is a, jelly that I love to use. My kids love it. Like buy it. You know what I mean? Like like they're making it more of like, I've eaten this jelly my entire life. And I don't know why I'm using jelly as an example, but like. (laughs) Good example. It's general. Yes. (laughs) I've used this jelly my whole life. And my grandmother who flew over here from Sweden used to use, you know, like making it more special. And I think, I think we're seeing a lot of people doing that. I think we're, we're also seeing brands Um, and you know, this isn't really the space that I work in, but I'm hearing that we're seeing, we're seeing brands essentially like tailoring their approaches to, to be a little more thoughtful, um, instead of just like throwing money as much as they used to, but. And that's, yeah, I mean, and I hope, like, I love, I love to hear that because I hope that, that they'll also be more thoughtful in kind of the creative side. So it's not so the execution of something, a deal or a partnership is not so micromanaged, you know, the, okay. the creator, the influencer can really have more input in how, you know, the audience receives it, um, as they should, cause they're going to know their audience hopefully better than anyone. Totally. And I think, I think it's cool because if, if these brands are spending, and I think a lot of the brands are starting to see the power of like, doing collaborations and capsule collections and like really investing. I mean, the amount of money that they're spending in doing capsules and um, co-brands, it's pretty much like on par with what they're doing um, for sponsorships, but you're getting more from the brand perspective. You're, you're kind of getting more bang for your buck. Um, Mm. And, and it doesn't come with the, the sort of tag, the overhanging, like this is a sponsored post. Um, so it's, it's been interesting to see that kind of, that kind of switch a little. And when I remember I was asking you offline about, um, kind of impact and, and, and what you're seeing the impact that, that you do at DBP on kind of the marketplace in general. And you were talking about, um, you know, better brands really that the marketplace gets better through competition and and launching more high quality influencer programs. Um, and that's always good for the category. So I would love for you to kind of touch on this a little bit more because I love this idea that you're really saying the more good that we create, the more better that the marketplace and the industry really is going to be at the end of the day. Um, and so I would love to kind of hear your your take on this and, and where you really see this going in, in this new year of 2018. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the long tail theory. Um, yes, yes, I am. But I would love for you to share what that, what that is. Yeah. So essentially, essentially we are at a time when people are diversifying uh, sort of the brands that they're interested in and no longer we're, we're kind of at this 
slight tipping point where people are interested in more niche brands and brands that really resonate true to them. And, and maybe this is a factor of like just millennials um, really investing in things that they believe in. Um, but, but a lot of these bigger brands like the Nikes and the Apples of the world are having to sort of buy up smaller brands because these smaller brands just are so powerful now versus the one big like Nike, for example, just being the end-all be-all. Like now you have Outdoor Voices, you have Girlfriend Collective, you have all of these like very small direct-to-consumer, very cool digitally native brands that are really um, resonating with consumers. So I think I think it's really cool because we're, we're living in this age of like so much brand competition. Um, but at the same time, and that's, that's sort of the long tail theory is that there's so many um, smaller brands, but um, but ultimately they're all going to perform well, and ultimately competition is going to drive everyone to ultimately uh, produce the best quality product and the best customer service. and And I think I think it's it's driving us to to a more positive. Um, retail place, even though I think a lot of people are so scared about what's happening with retail right now. I really do think this is a, a positive change. And and to kind of go off your point about um, about more sort of having these these like direct to consumer brands and and more people in the market. Um, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> No, no, no worries. You were talking about the long tail. Oh, yes, yes. So so when you're looking at like all of these influencers who are launching their own product lines, I think it's really cool because like think about before social media, like how difficult would it have been for anyone to launch a, a fashion collection? You know, it's like you would have had to have gone to school. You would have had to work for Diane von Furstenberg. Like there's so, it was just such a high barrier of entry. And now because of these social platforms, like people can really do these amazing things that, you know, like literally accomplish their dreams, like work on passion projects that without those those platforms, they wouldn't have had access to be able to do so. And I think that's the cool thing is like, we're getting more unique, diverse perspectives in the product space that we never got before. It's so true. And I think that the more that we are open and and kind of excited about that and, and accepting of that and really just open to being a part of the growth of that, I think the better success we're going to see for everyone across the board. Right. I I feel like everyone's just going to lift each other up. And we definitely, there are so many influencer brands that are going to, and I just, I know because we are working on so many of them um, and other people are as well, but you know, there's going to be so many in the marketplace over the next couple of years, but I don't, I don't think that's going to inhibit or oversaturate. I think if anything, it's going to drive more brands to work with, with influencers and establish their own brands. Um, because, because ultimately I I think influencers are at that next level and they're going to be more important than celebrities, more important than, than all of these other, you know, old school corporate brands, um, because people really have connections with them and, and they don't have those with, those other categories anymore. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, I think that that's such a a great 
point to kind of really touch on and to kind of refresh for sure. Um, cause it's so true. And the other thing with strategy that I had asked you about, um, cause I wanted to kind of talk strategy with you and I, and I asked you kind of what have, what have you seen or what have you tried in the past has not worked? Um, and then how do you kind of learn from that and, and grow? And you had mentioned, um, promoting product launches too far in advance. And so you had said that there isn't much that you can do to overcome this when it happens, but what you have learned within DBT, DBP is that testing something for a month can definitely have negative impacts on the audience. So I would love for you to kind of share a little bit about this because I think that that launching is so important. Um, I'm someone who launches and I think influencers, I, I tend to look at a lot of things as a launch. I mean, whether you're partnering with a brand or whether you're putting out a new newsletter, I mean, it's essentially a, a launch of something. Mm-hmm. So what is that ideal lead time if there is an ideal lead time? And kind of walk us through that strategy a little bit more. I feel like I'm waffling so much on that like one month line because I felt like that when we talked and I've recently, because of Julia, we've really been talking about like what that right timeframe is. And I think it's funny because I think from the, from the retailer side, because this, this is sort of coming out as a learning from something Navy and Nordstrom, um, you know, with Nordstrom, I think it was a lot of pressure on them for that entire month and people bombarding their customer service lines and, and their social media channels and all of these things. It was a little overwhelming um, for them. But I, I think, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of good for, for the influencer brand ultimately because you kind of want that like heightened, um, very excited, uh, rabid audience to, to be the sort of frothed up a little bit in time for launch. And I know with Julia, we, we've been teasing out a while. And, and I, think, I think she's done a very good job in not like overdoing it. You know what I mean? Like she, she has her separate Instagram. We have um, her emails. There, there's like little sort of a, a more casual way of approaching it. We're not quite um, posting an Instagram a day about it which I think can be, can be a little much. Um, but I, I think there is definitely a sweet spot in that month to two weeks. It really, I just, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe it just depends on the audience and, and the way you're yeah. approaching it. Yeah. And, and what your audience is used to exactly. in terms of how you communicate with them and how you share with them. Exactly. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like some, someone like Ariel it makes sense for her audience. That's the way she communicates with them. Um, Mm -hmm. And it does make sense for Julia to do it this way because that is also how she communicates with her audience. Right. Um, So yeah, I think, I don't know if there's necessarily a right or wrong way. I do know, well, I do know the wrong way. The wrong way is to announce it like a couple days before it actually goes live. I feel like that's a a big mistake. Yeah. And you know, I, I love how I'm going to use the Kardashians as an example of... I love it. It's fine. (laughs) Yes. Of just how brilliant they are when they launch because, you know, you take uh, Kim's beauty line, for example. Mm -hmm. She's been talking about this. She's been launching, pre-launching this for like the last two years. Every Instagram story, every post, YouTube video, she's asking her audience, you know, 
what highlight color do you like the more? What lip, yeah. lip gloss shade do you like? Do you like this contour or that contour? She's, it's kind of like already getting them in that train of thought to think of her in that way and to see the products and the services that she's talking about and that she's going to be launching eventually seeing, seeing it like that. And I think that even before we even knew that she was going to have a line coming out, if you paid close enough attention, you could be like, Hmm, I bet she's going to be launching something pretty soon, (laughs) but it's so smart because it's kind of just, you you have to, you have to warm the audience up to, to that. And so I think that it really does go back to, you know, what, what your audience is comfortable with in in terms of what you share and how you share it and when you share it. But I think that it's very important that that there is some sort of lead time to really warm them up to that. Totally. Yeah, I agree. That's so interesting. I mean, you know, I've never really like, I'm actually really glad we're talking this through because the audience piece is such an interesting factor. And I know I think about this probably way too often because we have so many product launches coming up. Um, But I think it's also like, what's your connect? Like, what is your actual engagement with your audience? Like, I think, I think it depends by category. Like if you are a DIY, um, influencer, I think you have a very different relationship with your audience versus somebody who is a fashion blogger or fashion. For sure. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just night and day. Yeah, I would agree. And, um, it's, it, it can, it could pose some challenges along the way, but also could also, I mean, what you are able to learn about your audience through that and through those conversations is essentially, it's so valuable. Totally. And I love, like, I know Arielle did it. We, we like to encourage it, but bringing the audience in on product development, really Mm -hmm. like getting people excited and like allowing them to like experience the journey with you. It like sounds so cheesy, but but it really, it's just, it's invaluable. It, it, it is because then the audience feels like they were part of the process. I mean, I think a lot of why Kim's beauty line, I mean, has done so well is because the audience literally, I mean, she, she made them part of the decision-making. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming out with this color of lip gloss because this is what you said that you liked the most. This is what you said that you wanted. So I'm giving it to you. Exactly. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk about the challenges for a moment. I had asked you, you know, what you kind of saw as a challenge, uh, as a challenge that holds influencers back um, from last year. And how do you think that we can kind of overcome that this year? And you were saying product wise, it's, it's not having a team that can truly translate the vision of your brand into essentially that product. And if you're looking to move into the product side of things, you need to surround yourself with people who can really help you translate your vision to paper. Mm -hmm. So I would love to know what is in your, your opinion and your experience, the key to building the right team or to are aligning with the right team, I should say. And when should you start focusing on that and how should you navigate that? I think, I think you have to focus on, I mean, it really depends on what your objectives are. Like as, as a company, if you are looking to grow yourself into, I I really like to use Chriselle Lim as an example, because I think what she's done with Sync Studios and her team is just like super impressive. Um, But Chriselle's essentially surrounded herself with a team um, for shooting video content that they do at such a high level. Um, in addition to the content that she does for all of her social channels. Um, but she, she's really, and, and I think this is credit to Chriselle, 
um, she knows exactly what her brand is to a T and, mm-hmm. and she can communicate that very effectively. And I think, I think as, as an influencer, you are technically for the most part, I would say most people are creatives. And I think, I think that's a value, but I think it's really difficult. Like once you get into the product space, when someone, when you're working with a brand and they're like, well, we need a mood board or inspiration. Um, it's very easy to kind of get your brand confused with like what you like at the moment or what the trends are. Um, and then you look at the line that they send back to you after they've designed it and you're like, oh, that's not really my brand. So mm-hmm. it's just so nice to have someone on your team who can really, who's at your level and understands your creative vision, um, who can really put together like, here are the brand like do's or don'ts. Like, here's what it is. Here's what it isn't. Um, here is what we sort of envision as far as like how hang tags should be executed packaging, like all of these like simple little things, but like just having someone who can really be, um, the conduit for taking what, what is in your head and putting it on paper is so helpful. And it's Mm -hmm. so helpful when you're working with manufacturers or retails who need that because trusting just them to handle that themselves is kind of risky business. Um, cause it's hard, like how, you know, it Nordstrom doesn't know, like when we're working with Nordstrom, like their creative team's amazing, but like, they're not necessarily going to know what your brand is and what your brand identity should be. Um, they'll probably take some good guesses, but I think it's important for, for anyone who's interested in getting into product to really identify those or, or bring someone on their team who can help them identify those. Thank you for those takeaways. Those are, those are brilliant. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, some fast kind of quick Q and a, um, who is your favorite person to follow on Instagram? It could be one, or it could be a couple of people that you've just been really admiring lately. Oh my God, this is a good one. Um, well, I'm kind of, so I love food. Um, so these are probably all going to be food related. Um, but sweet Laurel, I am literally obsessed with her. She is an amazing, um, paleo, like vegan friendly baker. And she's actually launching, um, her own shop in the Palisades in like, I think a few months, but she, her recipes are brilliant. I'm not a baker by nature, but she somehow with like almond flour and coconut flour, I kind of surpass as like a pretty okay baker. Um, and I feel okay eating it because it's all like healthy. Right. <laughs> so I love her. Um, I also really love Eden Eats. She is just like speaking my language in terms of like working woman, just had a baby, like living in New York. Um, I don't know. She's just so fun. And like watching her raise her little baby has just been a total blast. Um, I would say, I mean, those are like my faves. I don't really want to like go into our clients. Yeah. I'm biased, but. Of course. Yes. Um, something else that I had asked you, um, I had asked you like your favorite book or website to read for, for business or influencer marketing growth. And you said, um, you said, um, time kills, I'm sorry. You said the ladies at create and cultivate are the best. 
I know that they have their amazing conference coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, share a little bit about, for those who don't know Create and Cultivate and Jacqueline, who's amazing. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to have her on the show soon. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, what they could learn from Create Cultivate. Create and Cultivate's amazing. Um, I actually, I, I work with Jacqueline. Her office, her and Ari's office are literally right next to mine right now. Yeah. Um, I Create and Cultivate, I, it's, it's bigger than a conference. It's really a movement is what we like to say. And, and it's a place for female entrepreneurs of all walks of life to really create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Um, so, so we have, I think there's usually three conferences a year, um, one in a large market and two in smaller markets. Um, and you can basically go and, and connect with a really amazing group of women um, and hear amazing panelists speak and there's breakout sessions. Um, and, and literally the women who attend these conferences are really from all walks of life. Like you, you could get anyone from an iBanker to a, a product developer, um, which, is, which is amazing in itself. And I think I think it's also really cool to go to these conferences because they're just so inclusive and there's just a certain like, like for lack of a better term, there's like a power you feel like walking away from it and just really, really feeling like, you know, women are going to run the world. Like there's just something really positive and empowering um, that you can walk away feeling. And and you also feel very connected and it's a great networking opportunity to, to meet a lot of really interesting people. Um, so I always, I highly recommend anyone attending any of their conferences. Awesome. Um, I would agree. I think that they're amazing. I love to follow their website. Um, so I, I love that you gave that tip. Um, and then the last one I wanted to ask you, I had never heard of this, so I'm so excited to dive in. I asked you about what's an app that you can't live without. And you said stash app. Oh my God. So one of my clients, so, husbands actually told me about this app, but I'm, I'm literally obsessed. It's basically, it's an app for investing And like my husband's really, really into investing in Bitcoin and all these things. And I feel like sometimes I just don't have enough time to study up on it or really like be smart about it. So, so investing in stock just always seems like so over my head. Um, But basically what the app does is it allows you to invest and like you can get like fractions of shares and you can invest based off of like interests or passions or like if you want to invest in female owned businesses you can do that and um, they have one for like defense they have another for like um gosh all sorts of i mean literally anything you can think of any passion you have they have um an investment option and you can just like automatically send like $5 to $100 a week and just continue growing um, your shares and, and your, your savings. It's just, it's amazing. I, I highly recommend it to anyone. <laughs> That is so cool. Thanks for sharing those, uh, those little fun, fun tips with us. Um, well, before we wrap this up, I wanted you to share where could, um, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about DBP, where can they find you and where can they follow you? So for DBP, we are at, uh, digitalbrandproducts.com. Nice and easy. We also have a Instagram handle of, uh, the real DBP LA, 
Um, and then my Instagram handle is at Lauren underscore fields. It's private, but just so I don't get all the spammers. But um, if you if you friend me, I'll totally follow you. Um, and yeah, I think those are those are the key sites. Awesome. Well, one last question before we wrap this up that I ask everyone that comes on the show, and that is what does influence mean to you? I would say influence means, I mean, influence is power. Like at the end of the day, being able to really have the power to change someone's life or or really, really work with someone and make them think differently. Um, I, I think the platform that any influencer has is so incredible and so valuable. Um, and I think, I think influence and being power, um, can ultimately lead you to talk about anything, anything that you want and really, really pushing, um, your brand and your perspective. And, and I think, I think it's really cool that we have the opportunity to do that now. I love that answer. Oh, thanks. Yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming on today and sharing just your insight and your experience and your wealth of knowledge in this space. Um, I so appreciate it. And um, I can't wait for everyone to be able to dive into this and and get a little bit more um, confidence in, in their direction when they're thinking of going into licensing and products. Totally. Thank you so much, Julie. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.